Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this show on Friday, June 26, 2020. Ugh, crazy, busy news week, Drew. Yeah, tell me about it. Well, do you want to talk about what just broke while we were recording? About Yeah, uh, sounds like Mulan is getting pushed back once again, Jim. I'm sorry. I'm, I know you were looking forward to sitting in that weird theater in Texas where the guy was spraying down the seats, but, um... <laughs> that, did you see that, that video? That was a troubling image, yes. It's, yes. That only happens between the movies, right? They don't come in. I know there's the smellorama and, you know, the seats that vibrate. <laughs> yeah, right. Just sort of like, is that how, they, what, they're going to do the deep going forward? It's like, ooh, you can feel the water. They spray you. Right. And you've been crazy busy. You're pumping out your usual 15 stories for Collider. <laughs> Each week. Yeah. Um, by the way, I uh, just wanted to make sure folks saw the feature that you did on Cars 3, which <laughs> as you point... Cars 2. Cars, Cars 2. 2. Cars 2, my yes. mistake. Which yeah. again, arguably, well not arguably, is the worst Pixar film of all time. You do a very deep dive there explaining how and why that happened. Yeah, I was going to say, did I get everything right? The only thing you missed, and again, you got, you yeah. know, it was that in addition to John Lasseter's dad passing away, he also broke his arm during this period. That's right. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, so yes. he was okay. not only emotionally crippled, but he was literally working with one arm, you know, tied up. So, I mean, that still doesn't excuse the film that we got, which basically killed the franchise. I mean, if you look at the, the business that uh, Cars... I mean, Cars 2 was the highest grossing one of the series worldwide. It made, what, uh, 559 right. worldwide. But the next film that, that it came out, what, six years later, uh, Cars 3, business fell off by almost, yeah, 150 million. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it's and not it, a terrible movie. Three? No, I like three a lot. We 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 rewatched it recently. We kind of filled in Katie's, you know, Pixar knowledge a little mm -hmm. bit, and she hadn't seen that one. We rewatched some of the ones she hadn't seen, and that that one held held up well. And and rewatching Brave, actually, I really got a lot more out of it this time than I did when it came out theatrically. So you can't watch Brave and think, well, you know, what would you know, what would turn to Chapman's? version like you know yes. and then what yes. got changed and it's just the more distance you get from those stories or you know in the heat of the moment you can just appreciate the film for what it is yeah i think that's what it was for yeah, sure but uh, well speaking of sequels <laughs> <laughs> poor sponge on the run seriously i sat today and it's like well how many because remember people have joked about what is it the new mutants you know how many times they changed the yes, release date yes. on that I think Sponge on the Run actually has a beat at this point. I, the, the way I counted, there have been seven different release dates, and now there is no release date, right? Yeah. Well, I was even telling you that, yeah, that initially it was supposed to be like VOD now-ish, mm -hmm. and then CBS All Access in early 2021. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, Jim, I think we're just going to have to call the Mission Impossible podcast the Paramount Pictures podcast, because I think those are the only movies Paramount is actually going to release um, <laughs> in the next few years. So, I mean, think about it. Lovebirds went to Netflix. I think they've got another movie going to Amazon. You know, it's like they're just not they're not really into releasing movies right now. They're the opposite of Christopher Nolan, Jim. They want to release no movies 
whatsoever. Well, you know, but, so, but the fascinating thing for me is it was earlier this week I saw, I think it was the New York Times did an article about the fact that without the movie theaters being open in New York and L.A., it just doesn't make sense to do a domestic release, at least at, at the studio level. And given what's going on with COVID right now, and just today, Texas went into basically full lockdown. They, they, they shut down the bars. In talking with folks at Disney, there's a genuine concern. It's not the question of that we're we're going to have a second flare-up. It's that the first flare-up never ended. Yeah. Did you see Jock Lindsay's closing the day after it opened? Jeez. <sighs> ah! God. Uh, well, but but on the other hand, you know, the fact that we're trapped at home means that we get to watch Disney Plus. And yes. just today, uh, all six episodes of Into the Unknown, uh, Making Frozen 2, uh, became available. And, and now, sadly, Drew and I have only seen the, the three that were available for press preview because we've both been crazy busy. We haven't caught the back three. But I was really kind of startled at how honest this is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of our job is, you know, somebody will tell you something. It's like, well, you can't tell this story. But, you know, yes. and you know, you'll then hear something about a difficulty that a film is having or it's like something they overcome or something they haven't overcome yet. And, right. and the thing with Frozen 2 or, or, or Into the Unknown is they, I think it's like the first frame. It's like nine months from premiere, only 22% of the movie is done. They're totally upfront about the fact that at this point in production, Something is talking to Elsa and, you know, leading her into the unknown, but they still don't know what it is. Right. I get that that's kind of in the Frozen tradition, because wasn't it only 15 months prior to release that they figured out that Anna and Elsa were sisters in the first film? Yep. So, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty pretty fascinating. I mean, the, the amount of trouble that Show Yourself wound up being oh, i mean yeah. it's certainly the arc of the first three episodes i don't know if that's going to continue but you know well, it, it's pretty amazing and, and where they left off or where i i finished you know they, they've just brought in Brittany lee because what they are three, three months away from premiere at this point and they now now they figured out who is singing to elsa and what show yourself is revealing and now they have to design the entire glacier where this the scene is set and it's like, yeah, that was crazy. Oh, I can't imagine doing that, that level of work that late in the game. But they did, and it, you know, it's 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 an amazing sequence. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a real treat for people like mm. us, Jim, who are so obsessed with this sort of behind the scenes lore and the behind the scenes lore that nobody ever shows us or <laughs> you know lets us talk about. So this is really great, and and I. Posted at my interview today with Megan Harding, mm-hmm. who is the director, and she was like, you know, they're so they're so kind of open and and like we were talking about earlier, the you know the stuff with Chris Buck and what his family goes oh, through, what Jennifer yeah. Lee's family goes through. I mean, it's really amazing to see them as real people, just as fully dimensional as any of the characters in the movie. Yeah, and there's one little moment I think it's in episode two where they're doing a screening, and poor Peter Del Vecchio, the producer, shows up. And it's like, I'm here two hours early. Why am I here two hours early? Why do I do this to myself? 
<laughs> just, I, I, just a very human moment. I mean, uh, really, real yes. well worth checking out. And, and speaking of which, if you're checking stuff out uh, over at Disney Springs, please report Disney Plus. Disney Plus. I did it again. They got to change the name of Disney Springs. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. But uh, yeah, oh, over at Disney Plus, The Simpsons. Remember when the the channel first came on the air and they had the issue with the aspect ratio. To give the folks at the streaming service credit, it's like, okay, we hear the complaint, we acknowledge it, and they fixed it. Um, And I I bring that up because just today, the DuckTales team is tweeting out, it's like, hey, we finally got them to put the DuckTales episodes not only in the proper order on Disney+, Plus, but in the creative preferred order, evidently, yeah. This was the order that they wanted to show the episodes in over at the Disney Channel. Yes, I saw that. That there was some kind of creative thing, and I think episode four became episode ten mm-hmm. or something, or vice yeah. versa. But now they're all sorted out. Did I ever tell you that that Alex Hirsch told me a couple months ago that they uploaded Gravity Falls in the wrong way? Uh. That it's like an international version or something. So when non human or non-English speaking characters are speaking, the subtitles are wrong Mm -hmm. or something. So that should be fixed hopefully soon as well. I know a lot of the older shows are out of order too. So maybe they're, maybe they're sort of systematically correcting this stuff, but it's great to know that at least our beloved DuckTales, the show that we, uh, we tirelessly champion week in, week out. Speaking um, of which, when is the second half of Jim, I was about to ask you because we got a notice that Amphibia mm-hmm. and uh, the Owl House are coming back on July 11th. Which, by the way, did you see Kermit is going to be in Amphibia I this season? I did. I did. Yeah. I enjoyed the Muppets Now trailer that bubbled up. Yeah. You know, uh, what is it? Jeremy from Legal? <laughs> you know, the, the- yeah. Oh, Joe the, uh, the Legal Weasel. There we go. Joe the Legal Weasel. Yeah. So, uh, yes. you know, I've been... Yes. I, I, it gives me great hope. But again, yeah, it was, it was, it got genuinely a delight to see that Kermit's going to turn up on Amphibia. Yeah. But yeah, no news on I the know. second half of season three. And and you saw that there were only like five episodes of Owl House, too. Yeah. I thought it was very weird. Yeah, but I, I just feel like that's more the world we live in now. For example, just six episodes of Into the Unknown or the Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian. There were only the eight episodes. It just sort of, yeah. oh, remember when there used to be 13 episodes of something? Oh, that was a time. Remember when there were 24 episodes of ER every uh, year, Jim? That was, well, you know, can you imagine? Every so often I will, in research, be looking at older sitcoms. And it's like, there were years that the Andy Griffith Show did 44 episodes Holy cow. And, uh, how is that even possible? Well, <laughs> and you know, next week, uh, by the time the show comes out, the new Unsolved Mysteries is on Netflix, which I've seen. Mm-hmm. And there are only six episodes, one mystery per episode, mm-hmm. when it seemed like there were hundreds of original episodes and they had four mysteries mm-hmm. per episode. So that should tell you, Jim, how we are streamlining things. And no Robert Stack. I was about to say, you know, know, no Robert Stack standing in fog wearing a trench coat. On the other hand, I no. did see you on Twitter talking about how what the hotel one is especially unnerving or. Oh, yes. Just watch that one, Jim, and tell me if you can figure out what happened to this guy. 
I won't give anything away right now, but it is crazy. Mm. It is crazy. It, it kept me okay. up. So tell me what you All right, think. I will. I will. Okay. okay. Now, turning to obviously more serious news, let's talk about the Jenny Slate Christian Bell thing. And now The Simpsons. Basically, no, no white character will be playing uh, an African-American character on any of these shows anymore. And um, I mean, no. it's, I think it's for the best, right? No, no, I agree. I agree. And, you know, I mean, obviously we're in a very significant moment in our country's history. And it's genuinely thrilling to, to watch these sort of things happening. But I have yeah. to wonder, how do you think the Hank Azaria Pooh thing plugs in here did that plow the road because face it they he he was very yeah. resistant i mean uh, wasn't it the the documentary the problem with the poo that sort of sort of set this in motion or yeah and it's interesting because at first they were like well he's still gonna play a poo and then i think it was only earlier was it this earlier this year that he said i'm not playing him anymore mm-hmm. which shows you that these things aren't the easiest things to maybe figure out or to no come yeah. to terms with as a as an actor too i guess you know if you're performing someone for god how many years has the simpsons been on 20 years or 30 you know, god it's more 31 soon to be 32 31 years okay mm-hmm. so that's a long time to play a character you know and i can understand that he had to go through that process and mm-hmm. But I, w- I think what's really interesting, I think you're right that he plowed the road because these decisions were pretty much instantaneous. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I want to say the Jenny's saying that, that she'd be stepping away from Big Matter at, the, at Netflix. It was almost in, in the same window of time that the news broke about Kirsten and her work on Central Park. Yeah. And then as we were, go- as we were going to, to air, mm-hmm. The Simpsons released mm-hmm. the statement that it was basically the same thing. So, you know, and, and any number of characters will be voiced by different actors next season which will well actually i think you know give the show a little vitality right a little like shot in the arm to hear somebody different in the show and see how that works out and i don't know i'm, I'm very excited about I, it and, and and look i applaud the effort for authenticity and more to the point to create these opportunities for black performers and you know hispanic performers and the like i can't help but think about what happened with pocahontas we talked on the last show about the premiere but during the actual production of the film, Disney really wanted to do right by the the first peoples of, of America and Canada. So when they were casting up the roles of the, the members of the tribe that Pocahontas was in, they tried to find as many Native American performers as they could. And and they really scored a coup when they uh, they cast the role of Chief Powhatan because they got Russell Means, who was, you know, one of the gentlemen behind the AIM, the American Indian movement that back in the 60s did so much, you know, uh, you know work to, to push forward for the, the rights of Native Americans. And he had the gravitas for Powhatan and, you know, they were thrilled with, you know, how authentic he sounded in the booth. But then it came time to record the reprise of, uh, what was the song? Steady Like the Beating Drum. Right. Yeah. And it, it turns out Russell is, is a wonderful spokesman for his, the first people and a dedicated activist, but he couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. And so after several sessions of, of listening to him mangle the song, they very quietly, you know, said, well, all right. That's thank you. And then they went off and got Jim Cummings, who came in. Accused of keeping a dog in a bucket, Jim. <laughs> he was clear to that. He, 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 
don't get me in trouble with Winnie the Pooh here, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but yeah, so that they brought him in to to basically do a Russell Means impression as he sang this reprise of Steady as a Beating Drum, and then jump ahead five years to Mulan, and they made an attempt to as many. Asian American performers that they could possibly get to make this film as authentic as possible, but then it and Harvey Firestein. Well, okay, you know, you know, just who you know, Yao was actually you know, I king of the mountain, you know, just sort of right. you know, I love that character. Yeah, but yeah, that that it just came time to cast Grandmother Fa, who Act One. It, during a, a part of the film when they really need comic relief, she carries a lot of water. She actually sets Act Two in motion because she's the one who prays to the ancestors to watch over Mulan after she's run to join the army, and she wakes them up. Yeah. And then she has the comedy button at the end. Ooh, sign me up for the next war. I know both of the directors on this movie, and they talked about they they auditioned every Asian American woman of an appropriate age for Grandmother Fa. And just, you know, some of them could be funny and some of them could be serious, but neither, nobody could do everything. And so eventually it's like, you know, geez, you know, we need somebody like June Foray. And it's like, well, let's get June Foray. And, you know, she comes in and knocks it out. So it's just sort of like, I guess what I'm saying here is I applaud the effort to create these opportunities, you know, in fact, again, that that's what's really commendable about both Jenny and uh, Kirsten is they stepped away from a job. It's like, no. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's great to be authentic, but it's also I want to create just a little breathing space for the poor people in casting who, you know, if after they do weeks and weeks of auditions and they do an exhaustive search and they can't necessarily find what they're looking for that. Can we just leave the door ajar a little? You know. Yeah. But beyond that, it, again, it's it's a it's a great moment in both our country's history and entertainment history that this sort of thing happens. And speaking of history, uh, something really huge is about to happen on the show. But uh, <laughs> hang on, we're got to do an ad, and we'll be back in a sec. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's Malt Diggums himself, Josh Gad. Josh Gad, holy cow. Wow. Jim, do you not have video where you are? I, what, he never puts on his video. The Witness Protection Program has rules, Josh. <laughs> you know, I don't live at the end of a dirt road out of choice. It's me and the Unabomber. You are the busiest man in the COVID-19 era. You seem to be everywhere doing everything right now. I don't know if that's a description I'm very fond of, but no. thank you so much. I, I would love to be uh, the busiest man in the post-apocalypse. Mm. Uh, that would be nice. Um, but I've, you know, I'm grateful that I get to 
to do so much that hopefully brings joy to, to many people. But I, I, you know, I, I tweeted you a while ago mm-hmm. that my daughters and I have been listening to the podcast and just loving it. It's like, it's this like bright silver lining in the midst of such negativity and darkness and sadness. And, and we absolutely love you guys. And Drew and I have become oh. <laughs> Twitter buddies. Yes, oh, it's true. Well, yeah. Okay. Are you jealous, Jim? Go ahead. You can tell totally, us. Totally, totally. I just, I'm crushed beyond words. But, I, well, again, very sweet of you to come on. I have so enjoyed your reunions online. And, in fact, didn't you just finish up with Ferris Bueller? Or Oh, Jim, Jim. Ferris Bueller is, uh, it was. it's funny because each one has been spectacular in its own way. But Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and especially the ending, which I want you to reach out to me after you watch it, hopefully on Sunday, it, the ending is the most insane thing we've ever done on the show. Really? Oh, it's the most insane thing. This is this might be the one I'm the most excited for. Oh, it's, it's even though they're all amazing. It is crazy. You know? you know, we usually try to go out with a surprise, whether it was bringing in the cast of uh, Back to the Future, the musical, mm-hmm. to sing us out of that episode, or bringing in Ray Parker Jr. to to do uh, Ghostbusters. This episode, though, we're, we're going out with a bang. We're going out with a bang. I, I wanted to hang it up because unlike you guys, I don't know how you have the stamina to do this weekly. Uh, I did six of them, and I'm like, I'm good. There's nothing more to, to talk about. <laughs> but it's uh, it, it was been a blast, and we've raised over $250,000 for, for COVID relief ever, efforts, for equal justice initiatives, um, you know, and, and it's just been, uh, we feel very blessed that we've been able to make people happy and help out. Yeah, I mean, that's the great part, too, is it, it's such a great cause. It's not just your amazing Rolodex being flashed on, on YouTube. It's, you know. I <laughs> love, by is, the way, Drew, Jim, I'm not looking at you right now, but Drew's got this rabbinical sort of like scholarly yes. Talmudic leader look to him right now. Like, yeah. it's just it's this not, long I have not trimmed my beard. On. Yeah. What is it that that song from the American Adventure, the two brothers, you know, they are talking about redoing that as part of this That's whole true. Splash Mountain, all problematic theme park attractions must be reviewed. So, you know, you're ready. You're ready. Put me in. One war gray and one war blue. Ready to do some Civil War reenactments, buddy. You look it. (laughs) Well, we have so many things to talk about on your plate right now. Well, I mean, Central Park. New episode today. I have not watched yet, but you you told me this one is a showstopper. Oh, my God. So this episode, we... I, I said when we started uh, creating it that my character of this busker needed to have a rival busker and it had to be played by my co-star from Book of Mormon, Andrew Rannells. And so we bring in Rannells for this episode and there are two new songs, one written by Jim, you would know the girls, the, the, both of you would probably, mm-hmm. Sam and Anderson. So it's Kristen Anderson's sister, Kate Anderson. Mm-hmm. And her partner, Elisa Samsel, who wrote the Olaf's Frozen Adventure a couple of years back. Yes. And their music yes. for this is just spectacular. And so they, along with uh, Darren Chris, have written two original songs that our characters sing, plus another song that um, Catherine Hahn and Kristen Bell sing that's extraordinary. I cannot wait. Jim, have you been watching it? I don't know if Jim is. I have. Well, I actually, I, I particularly love the handoff for you do for this episode, where they fact, well, there's no consequence, you know, nothing could possibly happen, <laughs> and it, it, it's a, it's a really ballsy transition, and you know, and a level lovely setup. 
Yeah, it is. It's 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 the, the I think the joy for Lauren Bouchard, of course, who created Bob's Burgers working on this is he's loved playing in that serialized world a little bit because he never really got to with Bob's. And mm-hmm. so there's a little bit of that enjoyment that even though the, the hopefully the episodes can exist on their own and you can come in episodically, it still has connective tissue that pays off mm-hmm. if you stick with it. Right. And Jim just told me that he watched the first three episodes of Into the Unknown, which oh are the God. only three that I've watched so far because those are the only ones they gave us. But have you watched the whole thing so far? I have. And oh, okay. and, and by the way, I didn't intend to. Hmm. And, and that's not like to speak ill of, of anybody involved. I just literally didn't have the time, but I wanted to watch it before I did. You know, they asked me to do some press for it. And I was like, oh, I have so much on my plate, but I did it. Mm-hmm. I was so mesmerized. And I was speaking to Adina and Kristen about it. And the, the, the crazy thing is, is I don't think we even realized how much drama and insanity there was in the making of Frozen 2. Like, we didn't realize that the movie was almost made without that last insane number in it. And so, mm-hmm. like... I really was sort of shocked at the process because they they sort of protected us from that. And we would go in and be like, wait, why are things so different today? But, you know, but like, for instance, the whole thing that I do uh, in the middle of the film where I start recapping the first Frozen film, that was done, I want to say three or four months the movie was released. Three or four months before the movie was released. Wow. Yeah. And what did they say to you? They said, so... We are having an issue where we have to get a lot of information out and we need to do it in sort of like a a fun way because right now it's kind of like it's a little it's a little slow. It's a little like pedantic. And so we want to give Olaf the opportunity to sort of recap things that people need to know. So I was like, okay, I got this. (laughs) They handed me pages that were so extraordinarily crazy to begin with. And then let me loose, and I did my thing, and and it was great, and and so and similarly, although not, but like something like Samantha, which I literally just came up with on the day, we have this back and forth now, Jen, Chris, and I, where they trust me and I trust them, and we try crazy things and we see what sticks and what doesn't, and it was just like one of those things where it was just kismet. Well, did you know like the tragic story of you know Chris's son yeah. and everything that was going on with Jen as you were doing? Because I imagine that some people who worked on the movie maybe had no idea and will watch this documentary and sort of see it for the first time. Yeah, no, I knew. And it it didn't make it any less emotionally draining watching it. I was Mm -hmm. actually really blown away by Chris and Jen, as I always am, for putting themselves out there in such a vulnerable way and, and really letting everyone see what they've been through during the course of the last seven years in, in making these films in, in many life-changing ways. They've, they've had their ups, they've had their downs, and they've, they've delivered on sort of the unthinkable, which is they created a, a sequel that I think stands along the first one beautifully, but also it's the first real musical sequel that I've ever experienced that actually works where you, it's so hard to do a musical sequel and and Bobby and Kristen similarly, like watching their process and having them stare into the, the eye of the beast and being able to create that was, um, was pretty fascinating to watch from the inside. Take that love never dies. That's what I say. Yeah. Take that. The thing that impresses me the most about what I've seen so far about into the unknown is 
the fact that they allowed them, as you mentioned, to be that vulnerable. I mean, the whole notion of, you know, the very first thing you learn is nine months away from the premiere, only 22% of the movie done. And it, it's this room full of, of sweaty people who are like, who is Elsa talking to? You know, shouldn't we have decided that months ago? That would have been a nice thing to know right about now. Yeah. Yeah. But you guys know, isn't that like, isn't that the making of animated films in general, right? Like, I remember there was a, a meeting that I had with Bobby Lopez in Central Park. We were, we were strolling through the park and it was about, I want to say six months before, seven months before, six or seven months before Frozen came out. And Bobby looks at me and I go, how's the movie going? And he goes, it's a mess. And I go, what do you, <laughs> what do you mean it's a mess? He goes, well... <laughs> Here's the thing where, you know, your part is working, thankfully, but like we're setting up the, these sisters and the love for each other isn't working. We're going to try this thing. We have this song called, um, uh, do you want to build a snowman? We're going to try it out and sort of try to connect the girls through music. And, and, and that was the last I heard. And then I sat down and I saw the movie and my wife who hates everything I do looks at me and she goes, this is really special. And that was sort of the moment where I was like, oh, and I think a lot of times that's, that's just it is, is animation is about making something, breaking it, rebuilding it, breaking it, and then making it again. And you find yeah. what it wants to be in that process. So what was the most different version of Frozen 2? Like, what was what was version A if we got version, like, F? Oh, man. Okay, well, first version? of all, I don't even know if I'm privy to say any of this, but <laughs> there was a much more somber Olaf sequence towards the end of the film. To the point that I couldn't get through it because I was crying. It was... So, and they actually screened it, I believe, with that scene in it, and it like traumatized people. <laughs> um, there was, I, there was an actual villain. Like, I, I, I want to say that the grandfather was yeah. actually at some point still alive in the movie. Yes. And he was sort of like an active villain. You know, there was another, there were a couple of songs that I do remember. I laid down tracks. Uh, which I think are available on on the actual CD and and the and the the digital version. Who still buys CD? I don't know why I'm saying CD. That just really just gave away my age. Jim probably Jim still actually. Does, it so said I bought a CD. <laughs> just just recently. I'm I'm ashamed. Anyway, continue. I don't even know how to play CDs. I mean, even if I wanted, like, there's no place for a CD in my computer. But so I remember I recorded this song, and it was this sort of crazy song that was me at the piano. And that was pretty apparent to me, even when we did it, that that was going to be cut. But I was like, sure, I'm game. So there were a lot of those things. But the movie was very different and, and yeah. very, very, even darker, I want to say. Because the castle was wiped out, too, at one point, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. speaking of, of being game for things, I mean, can you talk a little bit about the shorts you did with Hiram? Because how quickly you guys turned those around and how beautiful they were. I mean, it was just kind of stunning, especially compared to the, what, four and five years it took us to get Frozen 2. It was so unbelievably amazing to get a phone call from the creative team to say, we want to do something that just brings joy to people right now. To get that message early into the process of, of you know, the stay-at-home orders and quarantine was pr pretty amazing. 
And th that was a Jennifer Lee call. And, and I guess Hiram had been working on some version of this, but didn't really know what to do with them. So they called me up and they said, look, you know, would you be game for, for doing these from home in this setup that I'm using now to talk to you guys? And I said, of course, of course. And they said, you know, are you game for doing like 20 of them? And I said, guys, what else am I doing right now? <laughs> you know, of, co of course I'll do that. My job was the easiest. I mean, I'm literally sitting here in front of a microphone. But to see the brilliance of these animators led by Hiram and Jennifer coming together with the sole purpose of giving people a smile in the midst of such darkness, that was just the the mind-blowing part to me and and the shorts are incredible i mean that that final one we did with that song by bobby and Kristen, it's just it's so emotional yeah and the 2d one is so good oh, too to have a you know who did that by the way animated. i don't even know who did that 2d one i don't know but there were supposed to be two of them and and they the other one got cut i guess for time got and it. money i mean they're still working on movies now at the studio so it's amazing oh, I know. That they they're got working to, on raya yeah it's crazy they got they eked that stuff it's, out. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Uh, you're also working on a little show called Gaston or something. <laughs> what is it called? Do we know what it's called? No comment. No comment. <laughs> uh, but, I, but I will say that we wouldn't enter into a spinoff of Beauty and the Beast unless it was a slam dunk. And this feels, if it exists... Like, it might just be a slam dunk. Okay. Well, I was going to ask, like, are you still developing this stuff during this time? Yes, very much okay. so. You know, I would say that if I were, I might have just handed in a script that I'm very proud of, along with music that okay. I'm very proud of. But, of course, I can't comment on any of that. You can't. No, no. I'm, I'm very excited for that. Hello, fine-tuning listeners. It's Aaron Adams. I have to interrupt the show briefly to tell you that Jim asked a wonderful question and Josh answered that question then sent a message saying hey I'm not contractually allowed to talk about that can you remove that please so we had to do a snip snip and now we have an extreme jumping conversation where Drew talks about a painting by Joe Johnston for some reason that is completely unconnected to the thing that was cut out sort of maybe Well, Joe is obviously an animation legend also. Mm. I was at uh, Brad Bird's house a couple years ago for the Mission Impossible podcast, and he had the framed like sketch that Joe had done of the Iron Giant no. on his wall. Mm. Yeah. And I wanted to like distract him and you know take it off the wall and run away. Oh, <laughs> my God. I'd love to see that. Yeah. I, I have always been an obsessive of Joe Johnson. Like, I going back to like his work on the Spielberg films and Lucas films. Mm -hmm. So like for me, it's just the, even having the conversations with him that we're having has just been like out of body. And, and anytime we discuss, like uh, I'll pitch an idea and his idea is ultimately always so much better because <laughs> he visually sees something, things that we can't see. Mm -hmm. And it's right. just, he's just a genius. He's a genius. And he's still so, like, when I tell you we had to pull him away from Atlanta, that is not an understatement. Literally drag him. Wow. How mad were you that the prop show got Johnson and Moranis back before you were <laughs> I haven't seen that. I didn't, I, did, I haven't seen it. I should. Now, <laughs> now it, I'm mad. Didn't you? No, they, yeah, they yeah. did. They, they do a great job. 
they do geek speak well. The guy, Dan Lanigan, I believe, yeah. he seems to come from a very sincere place. In fact, I think Drew and I were having conversations about the fear that it was going to be the scary side of fandom, right. which, of course, you have no experience with. <laughs> Right. No, no, I've never been, never dealt with that in my life. But I, I am fascinated by it. I got to see this. I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. You've got a lot of cool stuff on the walls, though. You've got yeah. your frozen gold record. Actually, that You've right there. Jim, I love the Jim Henson portrait. Is the original uh, music sheet that I was handed when I sang In Summer. And that's signed by Bobby and Kristen. That's awesome. Yeah. And then there's a Beauty and the Beast poster in the comedian's yeah. show I did with uh, Billy Crystal and all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. So what else What else is going on? I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about what happened with Central Park this week and the decision that you guys made? Oh, because it, sure. I mean, we just saw The Simpsons just released a similar statement. They did? Literally, as we were. Yeah, that, that no non, no white actors will voice non-white characters on the show. Anymore. I love that. The decision, Drew, was simple, it was late, and it was essential. I mean, I think that that's all there is to really say about it. I think yeah. Kristen Bell is so extraordinary, and she's so gifted. But I think we all realize representation does matter. And I think we, we made a mistake. And, we, you know, you have to own it. You have to say, okay, I, I, if I'm going to, to preach, then I have to practice what it is I preach. And right. to me, at a time when we all realize that there are voices who have not had the same opportunities that others have had, you know, it's, it's, an, it's, it's an opportunity. And why wouldn't you mm -hmm. uh, accept that opportunity as a, as a creator? And so, you know, it was such a, essentially a no-brainer and... Kristen was so unbelievable and literally came to the conclusion simultaneously and said, I can't do this anymore. Right. And we all said, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's time. But we're going to find a new role for her. We're, we're obsessed with her. She's extraordinary. Yeah. Um, we are really excited about uh, the opportunity to find somebody who can continue to tell Molly's stories and, and, and continue to help make them authentic and, and make them, right. I think, a very powerful part of, of the stories we're telling. It also sort of let the cat out of the bag there will be more episodes, too, because a lot of people had written up Central Park as a limited series. But Did they? Yes. Oh. Well, those people so are, are uh, incorrect. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. I, we have, we were picked up for two seasons originally. Okay. And, uh, and so we've actually been in the midst of, I've been getting animatics and thumbatics, like literally every day, uh, all hours of the day from season two. And, and so we're in the midst of that now. And what I will say is as the show continues to evolve and grow, there is actually not only am I excited about the opportunity of recasting Molly, but I think that there's some really incredible stories that we're about to tell that are going to blow people's socks off. And, and there's um, the, the level of music, which has been my sort of passion in this project, that, that we have coming your way is, is just, it's next level. It's, I'm so excited about it. The same thing. I, I was under the impression that the show had been picked up for additional seasons and wanted to know where you guys were in the production cycle. Has Christian 
recorded episodes of the second season and yeah you know this is this these are literally ongoing conversations that we're having in real time because frankly we were already into voicing season two but um we all made the decision that it's important to move immediately on you know onto the next casting choices and and so we're in the midst of that process literally in real time right now and and despite the fact that we're (laughs) Uh, almost at the tail end of production on season two, our objective is to um, to go back and re-record. Holy cow! That's, That's great. great! Wow! Yeah, to circle back to Central Park. I love the ambition of it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I've always enjoyed that Lauren getting folded as much music as he did into Bob's Burgers. So this is sort of next level stuff from you know the wonderful musical numbers that periodically bubble up in that show. But it was like I was watching the skating number with oh the. Oh my god! I mean, a great song, but crazy animation. I mean, just wonderfully staged, and and you know, I mean, you you know exactly where to look, and wonderful character work. But it's like, how did you pull the team together for this? You know, we are so blessed. Lauren, obviously, and his producing partner, Janelle, um, they have an unbelievable staff at Bento Box that's traditionally worked on on, on the Bob stuff. And so we've had tremendous in-house talent, uh, including Ian Hamilton, Bernard. There, there's a group of people over there who are just, like, um, amazing Mario. But we have... Um, we also have a lot of animation houses outside the country, which is normal. And one of those houses is called Tonic. And Tonic is sort of an up-and-comer, and they have been the ones who have been, um, I think, much to their chagrin, Jim, taking on these songs. <laughs> because, man, is it a lot of work. I mean, we are throwing things at them that they're like, this is, we've notoriously become the most difficult show I think ever because what we're asking for is so insane, but people are also feeling so rewarded by working on it, obviously because of the praise the show is getting, but also because it it is bold. It is taking big, big swings. It is insanely, insanely big. And, and I think that that's the joy of it. I think that that's the thrill is everybody who's working on it is getting to do something that on another show like Bob's, you may, you may only have one opportunity to, to do. Yeah. I love how it's positioned too as this epic, but also ha- having this sort of small family nucleus that the show can revolve around it. It sort of gives it this great huge palette that's really refreshing and, and fun. I, I think so. And the cast, the cast. Oh, the cast. No, 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 that's a thing. Tucci as Bitsy kills me. <laughs> Just, you know, and in fact, in the great tradition of John Roberts is Linda. Is this, is this one of Lauren's rules that you have to have a man voicing a woman in the show? Cause you know, it's what, what's so funny is, is that Bitsy and Helen are, they're sort of like, you know, they're caricatures in a way. They're they're these characters that are so sinister <laughs> that it's sort of fun to poke fun at them by having them voiced by such insanely unexpected tones like the mm. ones David Diggs and, and Stanley Tucci give us. But there is something about like the, the bread and butter over in, in Lauren's brain that is <laughs> that is this this these iconic sort of voices that are so unexpected coming out of these uh these women on the show. 
Speaking of voices, where are we at on uh, Angry Birds three? Uh, we got a we got an ETA on that one. Is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> you tell just... me. You know more than I do. I like the second one. How lot, funny so is I'm, that I'm... second one, man? He is. I like it a lot. He's a great director. He is a great director. He, you know, it, what what I love about the second one is it knows not to take itself seriously. That urinal scene yes. in that movie. <laughs> is honestly like i only saw that movie in the theater on uh, at the premiere and i i didn't like i hadn't seen that sequence and i literally think i spit out my drink because i was just like what is this this is insane but um i i no i love working on those movies you know they're they're just sort of like they almost feel akin to Looney Tunes, right? Like they just yes, feel like yeah. a, of that ilk. It's, it's it's all gag it's all gag which just, is it's, fun it's just yeah, different yeah it's fun yeah Jim, did you ever see the second one? Yes, I did. Okay. The first one had some wonderful sequences, some great character work. And this one was just sort of like, okay, we're going to upend the toy box and throw all sorts of ideas out. It was, it was great fun. Yeah. One final question here, and forgive me, because, again, I, I so loved your work on the stage. Oh, Mormon and, and the like. And there was talk several years ago now about you possibly doing forum on Broadway? Oh, yeah. No, those were very real discussions. Ultimately, I didn't take it because theater is so damn hard. It is all consuming. I always joke that it's the most work for the least amount of money and the greatest reward, right? And those th that commitment took a toll personal toll you know i moved my wife and my newborn i actually we had just had our child my ava my oldest who's obsessed with listening to your show by the way she's 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 she is obsessed with all things disney and so like she loves listening and and and, and it's just giving me such a joy and so she was you know one month old when i had to leave for new york and then four months old when we could be reunited again mm -hmm. and that was really hard and then the hours involved and and my wife did not love living in on the east coast in winter and and it was just a lot of that and so i've been very sort of hesitant which is why it's been nine years uh mm -hmm. since i did book of mormon to come back just because of the sheer commitment involved but having said that right before all this happened, I was in the midst of potentially announcing my return. And so I hope to do that very soon for something really special. Oh, very cool. You've managed to touch all these properties that you clearly love, <laughs> but is there something that, it, you know, is either out of reach or something that you would love to still sort of, sort of tackle? Oh man, there's, you know, there's so much. I'm, what I'm really loving is actually working on original stuff that, that I am, you know, there's oftentimes you do movies and there are so many factors that are outside of your control and it's up to the movie gods and to the people that you trust to put it together. You hope for the best. Sometimes you get the worst and you're just like, okay. But the, what's nice about being behind the scenes and, and having the opportunity to actually take ownership of the things that I'm doing is I get to be the one to ultimately have to answer for it. And with Central Park, you know, that was sort of my my first baby that I birthed and, and brought to the world. And it's been a thrill. And that's where I'm really finding the most joy right now, even with Reunited Apart. That that that, that is ultimately so rewarding because it's it's me. It's my brainchild. 
So, you know, adaptations, I think, are great, and I'm loving them. We, we're, we're, you know, we have in development. I'm doing um, something with Rip Van Winkle that's being adapted at Warner Brothers with uh, the brilliant Cynthia Erivo starring and Amanda Doko writing. And I have Hunchback of Notre Dame also being developed at Disney by, uh, written by David Huang, who's just incredible. How's that going, by the way? God, it's it's a tough nut to crack, but David has brought such poetry, beauty, and ownership to every page of the script, and it is just, um, I, I it just continues to get better and better, and it's it's one of those movies that I think can take the original animated film and build on it, right, in a way that I think a lot of the, the sort of Disney adaptations have been burdened with already perfect movies that you then have to match. Right. And I love the fact that the, the, I love that movie so much, but I can also say that there are flaws with that movie. And I think that it's an opportunity to, to continue to, to evolve it and, and make it even even potentially better. And, and so that's our hope, and that's what we want to do, and we won't do it unless we can achieve that. Is Hellfire in right now or out? Because I hear that was a sticking point. I won't say who I heard it from. Could have been an Oscar-nominated composer that I heard this from. It is a... uh, The process of taking any song away from Mencken and Schwartz is a process you don't want to be involved with. So everything right now is fair game. Okay. That is very diplomatic. Very diplomatic. <laughs> All right. I, you touched uh, just a moment ago on uh, Reunited Together. And I, I want to tell you, I've so... It's it, called Reunited Apart. Reunited Apart. Reunited so apart. Apart. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm sorry. That it's my dad no, I brain. Was, by the I, way, I reverse everything. By the way, Al yeah. Roker this morning on the Today Show made the mm. same mistake you did. You're in good company. He also called go. it Reunited Together. Okay. I was like, I just should rename it. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 here's the thing you you do I, that I, I Drew and I know from from doing interviews that is doing interviews over this format is so tough to begin with but when you've got four five six different people and you're basically the lion tamer you do such a great job of <laughs> you know moving the show along setting people up for questions I mean you know just such a wonderful job there. You know, that is a huge compliment coming from you because I, I, you guys are extraordinary at what you do. And it's very, it's very hard to do what you do. And I don't necessarily, I beat myself up. I don't necessarily think I'm very good at it. But what I know, and I think you guys can relate to this, is when you're talking about things you love, people feel that, right? This is why I've done the movies I've done. It's why I did uh, Back to the Future. It's why I did The Goonies. It's why I did Lord of the Rings, Splash, Ghostbusters, Ferris Bueller. These are movies that were literally a part of the foundation and the cornerstone of my childhood. So like growing up with them, experiencing them, and now getting to share them with my kids gives me a, a, a fandom, a respect for them. Uh, Drew, it's the same with, you know, you're like the Fuse podcast. You're, you're obsessed with those movies, right? And and so yeah. it's like the audience feeds on that. And that that was my hope. And, and I appreciate that greatly, Jim. I, I really do. I It is a tough job. And I like I said, you guys are much better at it than I am because I'm calling it quits after six. <laughs> <laughs> How much crazy Corey Feldman stuff did you have to cut out? <laughs> There seemed like there were some very no, judicious was remarkably editing. good. I mean, like... Okay, okay. That one was probably my favorite one to do in general because I feel so bad for your audience. They, I thought it was coming on for like a five-minute hello, and, and they've had to listen to me. for the, I apologize to all of you. You deserve better than this. But I, um, I did... 
Goonies as my first episode because that movie is probably the one I've seen more than any other. And, mm-hmm. you know, Corey and the entire cast were so giving. They were just so open and so available and so ready to play because you know when you come to a bunch of celebrities and you say hey i want you to do lines from a movie that's 35 years old you expect them to say get the hell out of here no i'm not gonna do that but they all were like okay and 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 then you call up steven spielberg and you're like hey would you you know think about coming on and and reuniting with the cast of the goonies a movie you didn't direct but yeah sure like you just it's sort of so surreal and then you actually face these people on your screen and you're like oh god i hope i'm not a fraud yeah so yeah (laughs) it felt like a continuation of your needling daisy ridley videos (laughs) (laughs) which i always love we had so much fun that that came out of daisy and i um becoming very close on the set of murder on the orient express and and the two of us just had just a blast ribbing each other and and she was she was just such so game um and and i i find myself very blessed that so many people in my orbit are willing to uh, let me make a fool of myself in front of them considerably fewer people put up with uh me and jim's so you know you should feel blessed <laughs> look i didn't want to be on your bad side which is why i'm like okay i'll, I'll definitely come on and say hi to jim hell uh no you guys are, are are great and the world needs this kind of thing right now it, it needs joy you know and and what right. you are both putting out into the world is joy it, it reminds people of what they love and and at a time right. where it's easy to forget that there's so much to love and so much to enjoy it's it's a reminder and a necessary one well thank you so much for coming on i'm sorry we monopolized 30 minutes of your your friday afternoon didn't Uh, monopolize anything no this was a treat wow thanks again yes thank you so much and thank you for helping me pull a fast one on jim i love it jim were you were you shocked were you surprised were you hoping for tom cruise I had no idea this was happening. He just, again, this is the first time we've done this. He just reached out and said, I have the feature. And it was like, okay, I trust you. And, it, and Drew will... T- the only time I ever you know, volunteered to do more work well, is when I know. You know this is the thing. Drew will tell you, I over-prepare for every show. I throw him five and six pages of reference and research. And the whole notion of, I have something, is like, okay, I trust you. And then I want... Now, Jim, Jim, you know that historically I love you. I've told you of my love for you Hmm. but i have to additionally add that what impresses me so much about you is how well read you are because i have a lot of books in my library i i do a lot of reading but you're like this lexicon of information uh a lot of it useless but nevertheless like i'm so impressed with the capacity of your brain for how much information you always have at your disposal It's, it's really fascinating and amazing to see well, yeah, I'm ho- trying to download uh, Jim's brain onto a hard drive or something, <laughs> um, just so I can access it more readily. You, know, it, it, you get a surprising amount of space you free up if you eliminate math, science, you know, the, the actual skills one could use in life. So well, that's very kind of you to say. It's true, true. Well, thank you so much. And when when we can all see each other, let's go to Disneyland. Ooh, yes. I'm pretty sure fun. you can get us a plaid pretty easily yeah. um, i'll, I'll so, hook you guys up. like i don't yeah, think you yeah. need it but i'll hook you up if you need it well what you'll we'll, we'll provide the sort of walking tour <laughs> and then we'll we'll do it but um yeah thank you so much for being on and uh talk to you soon absolutely guys thank you thank you be safe bye okay so there you go jim how was that
Was that a good surprise? That, that was a surprise, and you're going to have to cut out the first minute or so while I'm gooning. <laughs> so that was great. Holy cow. Wow. Yeah, and there you more go. to the point, I think we actually break news on a couple of things in there. So Yeah, I think so, too. Thank you. That that was such a, a treat. I mean, you know, again, we Drew and Josh had their camera cameras on. I don't traditionally turn on my camera. You know, nobody needs to see a ham-shaped face. You know, staring back. I miss your face, Jim. I miss your face. But speaking of non-hams, I mean, we're talking high-choice, wonderful items. You have just been doing such a spectacular job. Over at Light Diffuse, it's been this, this especially since the, the super length hundredth episode. It's been this extraordinary run of shows. Listen, Jim, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with you mm-hmm. on this. And one. well, but but let's talk about who you're you're talking with now. What, you know, what's 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 next? Well, with today, the day we're recording, um, is our first part uh, of our interview with Roger Guyette. Mm-hmm who is an ILM master, um, and he is a great storyteller, Jim. You will love his, his stories. They are absolutely outrageous and wonderful. And we talk about Pirates of the Caribbean next week um, and some other things. And then we have our two-parter with Gary Rydstrom, um. who animation fans and movie fans should know, you know, as being a true powerhouse. You know, he won two Oscars in one year. So, um, you know, he is really cool, and he talks a lot about what happened with Newt, and um, his some of his Pixar shorts, so you're gonna want to, you're really gonna want to check out those because they are awesome. And he is just like a great guy, and um, yeah, killer, I killer, love him to killer. Death, so yeah, okay, that's appointment listening, folks. So make sure to check those podcasts out. Uh, over on this side of the fence, uh, we got the usual assortment. Uh, we got Disney Dish with Len Testa. Len is doing all of these walkarounds of the magic. I know. I'm listen. I'm listening to them. <laughs> Him sweatily going, oh, there's a rabbit over there. (laughs) Well, you know, and and the other thing is I love how you can tell he's wearing a mask. That that slightly muffled quality and the thing, you know, the, and (laughs) I I love the moment out of the thing where he he, he almost gets consumed by turkey buzzards. You know, that, that That was scary. You know, and and the sad thing (laughs) is, you know, if I had a list of, of, you know, Disney bloggers that I'd prefer to have fed to to turkey buzzards. I know. No, we we won't go down that road with you. You have too many. (laughs) You know, that's, I, I follow you on Twitter. I know. Okay. So what else? We also have have uh looking at lucasfilm with dan z and you just did a show with dan right i did yeah we talked about the animated clone wars which we've talked about on this show the the gendy tartakovsky mm-hmm. ones so uh yeah that was fun i didn't see him drinking coffee though so you know like i said i don't know if it was all a mirage or something I, but yeah i think i think i recorded i them. think it's it, at this point it's an IV. As long as it's not a suppository. Let's just. (laughs) Oh, I knew you were going to go there. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's see. I'm not sure when we're going to be doing a new Marvelous uh, Disney podcast because Aaron Adams uh, and poor Aaron at his apartment complex, four uh, apartments down from him, they had a fire. Oh, wow. And, and you'll love this, Drew. In fact, Aaron was quick to point this out because, you know, the apartment that caught fire was apartment 2020. 
Ooh. So doesn't that? I thought you were going to tell me the. I thought you were going to tell me the first thing he grabbed was his makeshift R two D two life size uh, model that he was working. Uh, on. If he did, but. he'd be wearing a truss now. That thing is heavy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I just again, it kind of speaks volumes about this year. That yeah, it was apartment twenty twenty that got fire. Yeah. And uh, this weekend, I'll also I'll be recording a new Universal joint with Dustin Fuse, and likewise a new I want that with Michelle. Via do lead, so uh, look for those. If you could head over to iTunes and rate and recommend not only uh, what you're listening to right now, fine tuning, but also light the fuse, that would be incredibly helpful. Also, likewise, if if you really like what you heard here today, and who could not like hearing Josh Gad, uh, head over to Bandcamp and subscribe. And beyond that, again, Drew, I get so much entertainment out of you on Twitter. So, oh, thank you know, please. You know, tell folks how they can follow you and, and also find out who you are, are annoyed with in the Disney blogging community. <laughs> well, uh, I am at uh, Drew Tailored, like the like a tailored suit, T-A-I-L-O-R-E-D. And uh, yeah, it's been a busy week on, on Twitter this week with the Splash Mountain <gasps> news and everything oh, else. Yeah. And, and that's also the best place to see all of my writings my many many could, could you just many i just i i feel like a positive piker compared to what how many stories you do per week oh. over at collider did, did do katie and nova even recognize you anymore <laughs> well we're sort of all working in the uh, spare bedroom so she sees me oh. you know sweating over the computer but uh no. yeah i've got some good stories for this week for everybody so hopefully no. those will all Definitely out. check yeah. that stuff out, folks. It's an absolute killer. All right. So anyway, thanks again to Drew for 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 bringing in Josh Gad. How cool! Yeah. 